What's up, YouTube and, and NBA fans, if you're listening on a, on a podcast stream as well. Uh, my name is Dolos, um, and I got a special guest with me uh, today. I got, uh, you know, Maurice Williams. He goes by Reese. Um, he's a co-host of the Mavs Outsider podcast. And, you know, we are going to talk heavy Mavericks today. So that's definitely why I had to go out and get me a Mavericks fan to do that with. What's going on, man? What's going on, people? Uh, appreciate you for having me on, man. You know, uh, I actually did uh, a podcast with, uh, I did a son's podcast before the series started, which was kind of fun. And I told him, I said, you know what? When, when the series is over, uh, I'll come back on and, and we can review the series. And I'm hoping that, like, <laughs> I'm hoping we win and I can just go back on there and talk crap. But uh, I'm Definitely. excited to do this. I'm excited to do this, man. I'm excited for the game tomorrow or today, whenever they're going to hear this. Uh, sure. Man, game seven, two game sevens. Not yeah. even just the Mavs and Suns. So, yeah, man. Okay. We're going to get into them both. And yeah, so this should be dropping Sunday. We are recording uh, Saturday when there's no games. So you you might already know the results, but you know. I think we're still going to provide some, some some very interesting discussion. And, you know, you can laugh if we get things wrong and, you know, <laughs> at us if, if, you know, we predicted things accurately on uh, uh, what plays out in these game sevens. Um, it's funny. Um, we just – the Mavs outsiders, okay, so we, we usually been trying to post recap episodes after each game, mm-hmm. but – I have a new job where I have to be up at like 5 a.m., sometimes 4 a.m. for work. And the Mav games are at 10 p.m. So uh, for game six, my co-host Bibbs, shout out to my boy Bibbs. He had an idea. He said, okay, let's record before the uh, before the game. We recorded two different versions <laughs> of the podcast. We recorded a version if they won. Recorded a version if they lost. Somehow we finessed it through, not talking any box scores or anything. Uh, we did eventually tell them that, hey, you know, that this was all fake. Like, we, we did not even see the game. But he dropped the episode today uh, of us talking about the Mavs game if they lost. And I listened to it. And are you familiar with, like, uh, the Marvel Disney Plus shows? Yeah. Okay. He basically did the what if intro. Like before before <laughs> that episode. And I'm like, uh, bro, oh my I didn't know he was gonna do that. Oh man. That was a that was fun to do though. That's that's like y'all should drop like the alternate version on like uh on like YouTube or somewhere. I I definitely didn't catch that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it right after we uh stop recording. Yeah, I'm actually uh I'm gonna be running because Bibbs don't really like YouTube like that, but he knows it's something we got to do. Mm-hmm. I figured I would make the transition like during the off season. Uh, we already do video and stuff, so YouTube just seems like the next natural progression for the podcast. So Absolutely. that's definitely coming soon. If anybody is a fan of the podcast that's listening, okay. And now, um, you know, actually, before we even get into like the basketball stuff, you know, there were some very serious things that went on uh, in the country today the mass shooting in Buffalo. So, Absolutely. you know, I just, I wanted to take a moment uh, to recognize what happened, um, send my condolences and prayers to everyone affected and in that community and what's going on. And uh, we got to get things right with the violence in this country. So um, it, it didn't feel right, you know, getting in and talking uh, about basketball yeah. uh, you know, with that happening. That's, so. 
that just man that that made me sick earlier i just mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah it's it's bad out here I, I i just hate when things like this happen but yeah it's and it's so sad that you know it's become so frequent but yeah you know hopefully this this time there's actually some kind of a change behind it um yeah something got something has to be done this yeah this was a bit this was much this was too yeah. much yeah so um just want to kind of end that positively uh wishing the best to the affected communities um uh, people who lost their lives and their families um and now we're going to uh, try and transition into talking about some of the series that have already wrapped up um mainly this uh sixers heat one and um i think some heat fans have really been upset at the fact that the Philly has really dominated the narrative after this series and how it's been about like, oh, Philly didn't execute and uh, the Sixers kind of blew this instead of really recognizing uh, where the Heat really excelled. Um, But, you know, when I watched this series, like there was really avenues for Philly to win those first two games. And it's just glaring the fact like they were missing the MVP. And, you know, it's not surprising that's dominating the narrative, but I do kind of feel for for heat fans in that same at the same time uh yeah i definitely feel for him like being a dallas mavericks fan we're not talked much about talked about much in the media mm-hmm. uh even when we were winning games against the suns it's like oh let me scroll on youtube down my sub box let me see you know what's being talked about on some of the sports stuff no nah, nothing about the mavericks nothing about the mavericks i'm like okay i mean that's cool i kind of like the under the radar thing mm-hmm. but it it does feel good to see your team get its due respect um the miami i understand it but you also have to understand you know the miami heat is a huge organization but joel mb james harden in the national media that's going to get the clicks so you kind of like you got to try not to pay attention to that stuff like i don't watch much espn and first take anymore I usually try to, you know, I listen to basketball podcasts. I join basketball spaces on Twitter. So, you know, if you look there, you may find that respect you're looking for. But if you're looking for it from the national media, you're probably not going to get it. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, also, the, uh, Jimmy Butler definitely fanned the flames on, on all of that. You know, in the post game, directly after the game talking about how he uh, wishes he could have still been teammates with Embiid and then the yeah. whole Tobias Harris over me. So, you know, that was that was bound to happen with uh, Philly really dominating the, the the headlines. But let's get into that, man, because Philly did flame out. And, you know, there's reasons that there was talk about Doc Rivers' job security. Ultimately, it seems like uh, the 76ers are going to hold on to him. But, you know, I think their fans are rightfully, you know, kind of calling for his head after – the coaching this series, last series, um, you know, and, you know, in the previous year, Doc's, Doc's job has been a little bit shaky so far. Um, I get it, but I think I'm in the minority where I say I wouldn't put this on Doc. It's like watching this series, you saw like a huge lack of effort from like a lot mm-hmm. of 76's players no sense of uh urgency really and you can't coach that like you can't coach effort you either got it or you don't and at this stage like you're a professional nba player your coach shouldn't have to tell you to give effort in a playoff game especially when you're at risk of going home uh coaching some of the coaching choices i mean yeah but at the end of the day you know what comes with doc rivers Mm 
Mm-hmm. He he's gonna make some bad decisions sometimes. Sometimes he isn't gonna adjust anything. Uh, so when you got Doc Rivers, you knew what it was. It's kind of like when the team when the Lakers got Russell Westbrook. You knew who he was when you got him. So mm-hmm. you know you got to take the bad with the good. Not much good came from Westbrook, but there is good there. There is good there with Doc Rivers. It just didn't result in much this year. And I mean, to be quite honest. You made a big trade for a superstar halfway through the year. You you should really be looking forward to next year, if anything. So I think Doc is still going to get another chance. I don't even think the 76ers are considering getting rid of him. I would be shocked if they did. Uh, But it is what it is. Uh, You know how it is in the NBA. Anytime anything goes wrong, the person who gets blamed first is the coach, even though James Harden took like two shots in the second half. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Like, you know, and Daryl Moore has come out already and you know, to his credit, he already has said that they're not even considering getting rid of Doc and they're they're just going to focus on moving, uh, you know, transitioning to what they got to do with the roster. So, you know, they're they're right in line with what you're thinking. Um, and yeah, James James Harden is, is a guy we got to be pointing some fingers at um, in regards to this series as well. Because like in, in regards to the whole energy and, and wanting it, like, that's something that's followed Harden uh, as a narrative through the playoffs, you know, for his career. And that kind of really shined in this series, in my opinion, like especially late in those games, just not even really taking shots. Like that was disappointing to see in like, you know, win or go home game. So, you know, we got to be pointing some fingers at him. Yeah. And it's, it's, this isn't really the first time we've seen this from James Harden. Like, I mean, I guess shout out to Joel Embiid for trying to somewhat, uh, explain James Harden's uh, lack of aggressiveness. He was just like, he's not that guy anymore. He's more of a playmaker. Well, I'm not trying to hear that. That yeah. I, I appreciate you for trying to take up for your guy in some way, but I'm not trying to hear that. <laughs> like, <Agreed. laughs> the 76ers did not go and get James Harden to be a playmaker. We all know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're there to provide scoring as well. Like, yeah, I know at some points they were sending mad double teams at him, but, dude, like, if James Harden went out there and shot five for 20, I'd be like, you know what? At least he tried. Like, but but you didn't even try. Uh, He seems too focused on being in the club and in the studio with little Baby. So, I don't know what's up with James Harden. Maybe he's not as invested in basketball. I don't know. I can't speak for the man, but, yeah, that that's not – a showing you can have. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to opt into his player option this offseason. If he doesn't, things are going to get uh, really ugly in Philly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, having to give him a max after what we witnessed in the playoffs, like, that would that would give me some pause. Like, you know, because even, like, they were definitely sending mad doubles at him. But at the right. same time, like, there were ISO situations where it's like, James Harden should have took that to the hole where he should have been able to get past the guy or like he's not even really trying to get the ball back on top of like the typical James Harden issues we've seen in the past with like lackadaisical perimeter defense and closeouts not really boxing out or you know being aggressive on the boards and that and that causing problems for the team so there's some discussions with him to to figure out uh like if you were in their shoes like and James Harden opts out because he wants a longer contract. What do you do? Because, of course, like, after what you saw, 
and his age, do you want to give this guy a max for like four years? On the other hand, if you don't, you still ain't got no money to spend, so mm-hmm. you can't put a team around your well. Like they are handcuffed right now. Yeah, and so, I that's that's the modern NBA. Like you you traded Ben for him. You're pretty much forced to give James Harden whatever contract he wants at this point because it's like I don't really think there are that many other teams that are you know looking for his services at this point, especially at that money. But it only takes one team, and you know if he gets that leverage against them, like you're forced into giving him that contract the same way they were, you know, forced into giving Tobias and Max. So, you know, I think at this point, it's just like, start calling, begging somebody to take on Tobias Harris, hit up Oklahoma City, see, okay, like, (laughs) you know, I guess we'll throw in a couple picks, see what we got to do. Danny Green, I believe, is is also got like a non-guaranteed contract for the next season. So you just try and open up some cap space and do some other things. His career might be over, unfortunately. Yeah, that and that's a sad situation. Yeah, uh, like 35 years old with a torn ACL is, like, really tough. But I think yeah. one thing with Danny Green, I think he'll transition well because he has his podcast. I think he'll get into broadcasting in some way, too. So, I mean, he might bounce back, like, fantastically. We don't even know. So, mm-hmm. shout out to Danny Green. But uh, the Tobias Harris thing is... Oh my goodness, that's crazy! Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it seems like everybody thinks OKC is like the dumping ground <laughs> for like, man, we need to trade somebody. Call up OKC, yeah. attach some picks to it. You know, um, I don't even know what team could use Tobias Harris. That's the issue. Like, I, I've spent some time thinking about it, and like, you know, like maybe rerouting him to like the Lakers if you find some third team that's taking on Westbrook or something. It's gonna be so complicated to try and get that done. But there are like some big salaries this offseason that, you know, could be available in trades. Gordon Hayward, Indiana potentially doing something with, uh, you know, Buddy Heald, uh, Turner potentially. So there might be some avenues, but it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, especially with that contract Tobias Harris has. I think it's like 35, 38 million or something like. Yeah, it's a lot. For what he's giving you? Absolutely not. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and in defense to Tobias Harris, he actually did have a pretty good series. Yeah, but just like relative to the money that he's getting, and like he's pretty much a fourth option on the team going forward. Like you, you <laughs> yeah. really want to look to cut bait at that point. Like you know, it, I'm sure he he recognized it uh, at this point too. Especially when you're gonna have to get a guy uh, like Tyrese Maxey paid at some point, like. Mm-hmm. I think the best course of action for the Sixers, if they can do it, I mean, if we were able to do it with Porzingis, they should be able to do it with Tobias. Trade Tobias and, like, try to get back contracts that are split up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have some depth now if it's some guys that can really play and fit into the rotation. And if you need to make some moves, it's easier to trade an $18 million contract than it is a $36 million contract. So. Yeah, hopefully they can figure it out, man. I, I really like Embiid. I, I want him to succeed. You know, I would love to see him win a championship one day. But, it, man, they're going to need James Harden to be James Harden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, sorry to Heat fans. Uh, we are going to transition into the next series. Uh, just, you know, shortly on them, I'm going to say, hopefully uh, Kyle Lowry's resting up in this time and we can see him in the conference finals. Oladipo's look good, and, um, you know, Jimmy Butler's playing out of his mind. So um, that's my my two cents on the Heat. Yeah, I mean, 
I kind of expected the Heat to be here. My prediction for the Eastern Conference Finals was Bucks versus Heat three. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping on it. I, I'm really hoping on it. Um, I think that's going to be a fan. Regardless, it will be a fantastic series. To be honest, True. but uh, the Heat have been impressive all year. They proved me wrong. You know, I didn't have much faith in them to begin another year. Uh, they play well as a team. It's just people still have their doubts about them, and I think rightfully so as far as, like, scoring the basketball. And when you're going up against a team like the Bucks or Celtics, that might be an issue. But, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a discussion for a later day. We don't even know who they're playing yet. <laughs> true, true. Um, And so we're going to get into the Warriors and Grizzlies series because uh, this one was so fun for me to watch. Like, this one, this was a series where it's like, I really enjoy watching it, but I really would have hated if these were one of my teams because like the physicality, the rough play, like the beef between the fans. Yeah. Like this got annoying. Um, it got kind of toxic. Yeah, it def- it definitely did. And it got to the point where I'm like, okay, I am kind of happy that the series is just over and we can stop <laughs> tweeting and talking about it. Because every it was like reviewing every foul, like, oh, this guy's dirty, this a flagrant, this, that, and the third. And it was just, it was overwhelming at, at this point. It was like, let's just play ball. It was way too much drama. Like, I, I hate it to see guys like GP2 get hurt, and especially mm-hmm. Ja. Uh, going into the series, I had Golden State in five. Um, It, it, it could have happened if the Grizzlies didn't, like, bludgeon them in, in game five. I don't. I still can't explain that. But um, this series would have been much more fun, like, if, if Ja was still able to play. I know he's sick about it. Uh the way the Grizzlies beat the Warriors after he was gone is just going to push the narratives of, oh, the Grizzlies are better without Ja. And, mm-hmm. you know, cut that out. But yeah. um, I, I figured even though I said five, just because it's a five-game series doesn't mean, like, you know, it's clear-cut. Oh, we're beating the hell out of these guys. Like, nah, I mean, it, it can still be competitive. And these guys going back to – this goes all the way back to when Andre Iguodala – didn't want to get traded to the Grizzlies. I mean, didn't want to be on the Grizzlies anymore. Like, and John ja Steph was talking smack on Twitter. Like, Ja isn't new to talking smack. He was talking smack as a rookie. Like, he did not care. And I respect him for it. Uh, throughout the year, you know, Grizzlies and Warriors, you know, talk smack. That fans were talking smack. I follow more Warriors fans than Grizzlies fans. Uh, and this series lived up to it, to be honest. Uh, I wish it could have been longer. I wish Ja was still there, but, you know, uh, circumstances are what they are. But it was still fun to watch for the most part, especially those first two games. Yeah, and, like, this Memphis team is absolutely going to be back here, it feels like, because like I, they know, like, they feel that they should have won and they, you know, they feel like they should have been in the conference finals because, you know, they beat Golden State in the play-in, play um, you know, last year. And so the confidence that this Memphis team has, like, you know, I really enjoy watching them play all all season. I also, you know, did have Golden State winning in like five or six. Um, but I do have some concerns about Golden State that, that kind of shine through. Like, I think Memphis did kind of make me worry about some things in regards to their size. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Draymond's not playing 48 minutes at the center. Um, Kevon Looney might not be able to hang with some of the, the, the teams coming out of the East and, so th- I think it could be a difficult series for them, uh, you know, in the conference finals as well, just like potentially 
facing a small ball team in uh you know the the Mavericks and what uh Phoenix could do with their size. So I'm I'm a little more worried about Golden State uh than I was coming into the series, um, especially with like Draymond still not really being that much of a factor offensively. He he uh as far as like the passing thing, I think like his turnover numbers in the series were stupid high. So, you know, I'm concerned. Um, I will say this. You're 100% correct because before round two, I said the only team that scares me in the West is Golden State. I said I wasn't afraid of the Suns. Uh, We'll talk more about that when we get there, but I said I wasn't afraid of the Suns, but the Warriors do scare me. And after watching this, I'm like, oh, we can take these dudes. Like, (laughs) watching it, watching the way we play the Suns who have size and the Warriors – who are out there playing Kevon Looney and Draymond Green, who arguably would have been defensive player of the year if he didn't get injured, but still, like, he's six foot six. If we play five out and Luca just attacks whoever's on him, <laughs> like, either you're going to have to help and leave them shooters open, or you're just going to have to take those buckets in the paint. Like, and even outside of that, it's like, Dwight Powell isn't effective right now against the Suns. I think he would be very effective against the Warriors. Like, he gave the Warriors buckets this year. Man, look, I, I'm yeah. just saying. Golden State has some holes. Yeah, they do. They they do for sure, man. I mean, they, they're still a very good team. Uh, I was never the, uh, under the impression they were the best team in the league, but don't tell that the Warriors fans that they, <laughs> they'll go up in arms. Uh, I was under the impression, still am, that the Suns are the best team in the NBA. Um, but the Warriors, the the Warriors are a threat, but they definitely got some holes that, literally, like all of the teams left can probably exploit, East and West. So yeah, and it, it's also looking like they could use Steve Kerr back. Um, yeah, and it's nuts to say that for like as much complaints as Warriors fans had about Kerr over like this season when he was adjusting rotations and stuff. They hated him last season. You know, I saw a bunch of them at the point of calling for his job. So, yeah. you know, now to be like, oh, my goodness, Kerr, we miss you so much. We're getting blown out by 50. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little nuts. Kind of a little nuts when they were saying that he he's he's a non-factor. He's just a Curry merchant. But, you know, here we are. Narratives kind of flip like that on, on NBA Twitter. Hey, man. All I know is the Sacramento Kings saw that game and tried to dispute that claim with the bank immediately. <laughs> Said, hey, that yeah. check, that 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 check, yeah, that that we didn't write that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't. He's not our coach. What contract? Like, nah, yeah, yeah. They they tried to hit him with the stock X fake contract. <laughs> At the very least, if they blew that game, the Kings might have been looking to just renegotiate terms. As far as yeah. like, if they gave him four years, I might have been looking to to maybe talk him down to to two or three at that point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like for sure. <laughs> He he literally like almost blew his job. I I had another question as far as Golden State because we, we've been talking about these holes and I, I think this you know trade deadline they had the chance to make some type of move. They were one of the teams that did absolutely nothing, um, and they had the chance to try and add like some other big, but 
You know, according to reports, their front office was just, you know, expecting James Wiseman to be there. They wanted to keep a role open for him. They wanted to keep minutes there for him. And, you know, now we're here in the playoffs. They're getting to the conference finals and James Wiseman is nowhere to be seen. Um, so, you know, in my opinion, they made, you know, a terrible mistake by not at least looking for some kind of budget, budget big man. Like the Suns picked up uh, Bismack Biombo off the heat. And he's been, you know, giving them productive playoff minutes. So the fact y'all didn't even look is just kind of like, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be the reason y'all lose or anything like that, but, you know, it could cost them a game and, you know, losing a game could be the reason y'all lose the series. Uh, I think hindsight is 2020 in that situation. Like the Suns got lucky with Bismack Biombo. Mm-hmm. Like he came in, I think, during the era where like everybody was getting sick from COVID teams were depleted Bismack Biombo came in and they was like wait we got something here and like I'm gonna be honest I've always been a fan of Bismack Biombo. like I've always thought he could play I, I just didn't think he was a starting center in the league like when he got that big contract um from Charlotte I think uh th- that was a mistake but <laughs> clearly Charlotte has made mistakes of giving people big contracts. Um but I think I think it's fair to say that they should have made that move, but I mean, who really was out there that they would have made the move for and what assets would they have moved that they would have been okay with getting, excuse me, getting rid of. Uh they probably really did think Wiseman was coming back, but I'm going to be honest, that's not a good idea like a yeah. dude who hasn't played in almost 2 years and like you're expecting him to come back the end of the year and just play in meaningful playoff minutes when, like, he's never played in the playoffs. He's barely ever played regular season games. He played, like, a few college games. Can't really force that on a guy like that and expect, like, high-level productivity. So it's like, that wasn't really a smart move, but maybe it was no one out there that they really liked or felt like they could go and get. Um I don't know. Jalen Smith ended up moving to Indiana. Maybe that was a move they could have made, you know. Uh, was there another big out there that I'm missing that that moved? I'm not sure. Maybe they could have made a move, but, I mean, they stayed pat. I guess they felt like they were winning, so it was working. But now we in the playoffs. It's a different yeah. story. So it, it might come back to bite them. Yeah, I've, I've got some questions about Wiseman, too. You know, my brother is a huge Dubs fan, and he, he he just thinks I'm a Wiseman hater. But, like, you know, I've got some questions about a guy who somehow managed to be, like, a negative in minutes playing next to Steph Curry. Like, I feel like that's extremely hard to do. And, like, you're supposed to be just out there running pick and roll with him. And then, you know, to think that guy is now your solution, having not, like, not played very much basketball to this point, Suddenly in the playoffs, you were going to throw him up against Nicole Jokic. That was not going to work. So I don't think James Wiseman belongs on Golden State. I agree with you. I think James Wiseman is too offensively skilled to be in Golden State's offensive system. Like, hey, grab rebounds, run pick and roll, and rim run. Like, no, this dude has way too many offensive skills to just be doing that. And he probably doesn't want to just do that because he knows he can do more. Like he, he's not okay with being a Kevon Looney or Andrew Bogut. Like he wants to do more. So, I mean, right now I don't know what his value would be. I'm pretty sure they're not trying to trade him, but maybe he doesn't want to sacrifice that. So I, I don't know if they can get him to buy in or they could find a way to make him comfortable. Like 
give him best of both worlds, fit the system, and do what he wants. That'd be great, but I, I, I can't see James Wiseman just being a rim runner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what's best for him in Golden State, but, you know, not best for him long-term, career-wise. He's going to want to go somewhere where he can spread his, his wings a bit offensively and do a little bit more. But on Golden State, it's like, why are you devoting a possession to a Wiseman post up when you have Stephen Curry, you have Clay Thompson, you got like Jordan Poole going off. So, you know, it's just kind of a question of fit for me. I mean, Hey, if they want a rim runner, um, we got the white power. who's like one of the best. <laughs> if they want a rim runner, we got the white power. Okay. who's one of the, you know, mass fans call them one of the best rim runners in the league. They call them elite. I wouldn't say that, but I, you know. I don't think Mark Cuban's getting rid of a team ambassador, uh, Dwight Powell, anytime soon. Yeah, y'all man. might be stuck with him. It's a running joke <laughs> that Dwight Powell has like the 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 racist text messages from Mark Cuban. Like, if he ever gets traded, he's releasing them. Like, that's the only explanation. <laughs> yeah, because he he close with the organization. He apparently they love him. So yeah, they love him, man. I look shout out to Dwight Powell. He played great this year, but. Jesus Christ, he shouldn't be starting center in the NBA. I agree with you there. But we, we could get into the game sevens because, you know, that's what the people are here for, to let us know if we were wrong on these things or, you know, to see if we nailed these absolutely to the T. Starting with Bucks versus Celtics, is this the real NBA finals in your opinion? Um, Man, that's tough because I don't want to just be like, no. It's not the real NBA Finals. Um, because I think Golden State and Phoenix, like, can still go seven with a Milwaukee or Boston. But I think this is the real Eastern Conference Finals. Like, th- this is the team that's going to represent the East mm-hmm. in the Finals. Like, literally, before I said uh, this is the Eastern Conference Finals, I had to remind myself that this wasn't the actual Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> like... <laughs> The way this series has gone is, uh, man, I just, I can't wait. I, It's kind of, my, my answer for both series is going to be similar, but it, it's, it's hard. Like, I thought the Bucks were going to close it out last night. I was 100% sure they so were going to close it out. <laughs> like, and now you have to go into Boston. Boston, game seven, on the road. But you got the best player in the world. So it's like anything can happen. I, I can't wait. But this is definitely no offense to the Miami Heat. I know we were just talking about Miami yeah. Heat fans not getting their respect. We know what y'all did to Giannis two years ago. We also saw what Giannis did to y'all last year. It's like I don't think Miami is going to be either of these teams. But I think they have a better chance against Boston than they do against Milwaukee. Well, it all depends on Chris Middleton's health as well. Yeah, I, I think I lean that way too. Like, Chris Middleton is going to be key. I'm not sure he'll make it back at the start of, you know, next series. But yeah. if he can make it back at some point for them, that's going to provide an amazing release valve that they absolutely need. Yeah. Um, just lessen Giannis's load to the point where, like, he's not running as many pick and rolls, and he's the, the screener on those instead because that's going to make their offense a lot more effective, in my opinion. Um, yeah, there's so many games this series against the Celtics where I was like, man, they can really use 
Chris Middleton right now on offense. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like Giannis had to do everything on offense and Drew Holiday is a good offensive player, but you're not looking for him for a bucket. He can get him, but you're not looking for him to score 20 a night. Like Chris Middleton is that guy you look to for that, whether it's ISO coming off of screens, running pick and rolls, getting into that mid-range area, posting up if he got uh, certain guys on him. He can, He's a three-level scorer for you, and you lost that, and it's like, Pat Connaughton, shout out to him. He's hooping. Yeah. But, but, he's doing this thing. But he's not Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it, it opens it up for guys like Pat Connaughton and others when Chris is there. But, yeah, you, you can definitely feel that void. Yeah, and another thing that I've seen pointed out, um, you know, another place that they're really missing Middleton is defensively, obviously. Yeah. You know, because those minutes are now being replaced by Grayson Allen, who, you know, is a guy that Boston's going to target. So, now you have a defensive liability where you had a defensive plus who could have spent some possessions on Jason Tatum and slowed him down and, you know, maybe kept them from dropping that, you know, 40, 45 or 47 or whatever it was the other night, um, you know, and, and a guy who could spend some possessions on Jalen Brown and give you some help there. But, um, you know, if they can get him back in a, in a, a future series, um, you know, if they, if they can beat Boston in this game seven, um, but that's my prediction because, like you, like you mentioned, Giannis, I think is the best player in the world, uh, even without that jump shot. What I think he does, what, what he does offensively, what he does is just a rim pressure guy. What he, what he uh, does as a passer, um, improving there. Like he's just such a tough cover. Um, and Boston is still going to have a tough time with him, even if Al Horford and Grant Williams have looked, you know, fantastic and otherworldly on him at times. But that's a guy who's still going to get his. Yeah, yeah, man, look, after what I saw from Giannis in game six last year mm. in the finals, mm. this, after what I saw from him yesterday, look, I don't know if it's, it's going to take a hell of a performance for Jason Tatum. And I'm not going to lie, I think Jason Tatum is capable of giving it, but, man, when you got not only the best player in the series, that's one thing. You got the, in my opinion, the best player in the NBA. Like, and he's going to give it to you on both ends of the floor. I don't know if they can stop him. All he needs is like a few other guys to step up consistently on offense. And they're going to win this game, in my opinion. Uh, But I wouldn't be shocked if Boston pulls it out. But my prediction is the Bucs 100%. Yeah. And and my thing is, is like, like, Giannis is just such a, a matchup nightmare for them because like he forces so much help. And even if Al Horford and Grant Williams, like you want to let them try and take him, he's going to win enough of those matchups. So like, like what do you do at that point to, to really guard against him? But I will say that the Tatum has absolutely impressed me in this series and through the playoffs uh, his playmaking, like, what was that? He averaged like eight assists in the first round. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think enough people are talking about the leap he's made as a passer um, and just being more willing to get other guys involved. But I think that is something that's going to, you know, make it a little easier for the Bucks to get this game seven because Giannis is going to come out the gates, you know, aggressive. He already knows there's no Chris Middleton there for him. He's not giving the ball up to, to uh, Drew and Brooke Lopez as much. Like, he knows they need his scoring. So that last game, game six, he had almost 20 points in the first quarter. So 
he's going to have that same mentality coming into a game seven. Whereas I think Boston is still going to be trying to move the ball a little bit more. Um, still going to be looking to, to get other guys involved and get guys going. And uh, the, the Bucks are just going to know what they want to do. Hopefully. Man, Giannis might get 16 points in the first quarter. Mm. You know what? I'm, I, I'm going to even put a prediction. I'm predicting 43 points, 16 rebounds and seven assists for Giannis. And that's totally believable for him in a game that's, seven that's in crazy. Boston. <laughs> that's what's crazy. <laughs> that's why I'm taking the Bucks, man. Nothing against the Celtics. I would love to see the Celtics win because it's like from where they came from in the beginning of the season, how they bounced back. I've never seen a turnaround like this in the middle of the season. Like I had M.A. Udoka as my coach of the year because of that. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Monty Williams. I understand why he won it 100%. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I would love to see the Celtics, you know, win this. But I'm a big Giannis guy. Uh, Giannis is actually my third favorite player in the NBA. Uh, my first two are playing against each other in the West right now. Um, but, yeah, uh, man, I wish I'm going to actually try to get off work much earlier so I can get home in time to watch, like, this game start to finish. Yeah, I mean, we're going to actually transition into the Mavericks and the Suns now because that's the series I want to spend most time on. Um, I'm going to cut the recording here because Zoom's about to cut off. It's probably going to you know, disconnect any second, okay. and then I'm going to send you another link, and we just talk Mavs, Suns, and finish it out from there. All right, bet. You know, I'm sorry we didn't get to spend enough time on Bucks Celtics, but I do want to get into this Mavericks talk because Luka Doncic has been having a uh, masterful playoff series. Um, just, you know, getting where he wants, scoring at will, and he's looked dangerous. Like, I think the Western Conference is, has been put on alert. Like, that this guy can reach that stratosphere of best player in the league. He He's been a gifted passer from the moment he stepped into the league, and you know, there's been a lot of talk about, like, his three-point numbers, but, like, I want to dead that. Like, he is a good shooter. Like, the shots he takes are very difficult. So, you know, whatever. You'll end up with a low percentage. But when those are going, like, he's unguardable, and that's the reason he takes them. Man, forget the Western Conference. Luka is putting the league on notice. Like, I'm coming. I'm here. I want this. Nobody's taking this from me this year. I'm motivated. You know, uh, I, I want to make the finals. You know, he, he beat the first round allegations, which, mm-hmm. to be honest, were dumb to begin with because he played Kawhi and Paul George. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, his shooting, like, he actually shoots a better percentage on his step-back threes than he does catch-and-shoot threes. It's crazy. Like, he's a rhythm shooter, so I get it. It's just sometimes he frustrates me in moments where he takes those, but... That's why you can't just look at numbers and three-point percentages and, you know, come up with conclusions because you have to actually watch the games at times. Uh, But, man, not even just Luka. Like, this this team in general is impressing me. Like, I had the Suns in six. I didn't think we would be here at a game seven. And like I said about the Bucs and Celtics, you got the best player on the court. You got the best player in the series. You have a chance. We've seen Luka hoop in game sevens. Well, in a game seven. He only played in one game seven, but closeout games in general. Like, he comes through. 
I have no doubt in my mind that Luca is going to put on a masterclass performance. All we need is the others to step up and we can walk out of Phoenix with a W. If I have to ask one thing, all I want is for Scott Foster to ref the game. That's <laughs> it. That's all I need. Yeah. And once I got that, I'm content. We could see it end up happening. Um, you said, you know, it's it's going to take some of the guys stepping up. In your opinion, who who are the most likely candidates outside of Jalen Brunson, who I think is probably will be the, the most obvious, you know, because he's the second option on the team. But it, it's going to take a little bit more. Um, do you think we get in the Bertans game, Maxi going off from three, Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith? Who, who do you think is going to be most instrumental in a, if, you know, we're talking about a Mavericks win here? If I'm being honest, I think Dorian Finney-Smith is the lock, not Jalen Brunson. Because it's like, Dorian is a dog, man. Like, in games like this where everything's on the line, he steps up. Like, not obviously he doesn't have the offensive ability of a Brunson or Luka, but he hits those big shots. He hits the shots he's supposed to. He does his job. But um, I'm expecting Jalen Brunson, Luka, and Dorian to step up. But crazy enough, like, that won't be enough. Yeah, like just those three won't be enough. So uh, we need Maxi to hit his shots, maybe 12 points from Maxi, which would be four threes. Uh, but I'm counting on Spencer Dinwiddie, man. Like he hasn't really shown up much these playoffs. He showed up in game six. I'm hoping that translates to game seven because we're going to need him like seriously need him like those minutes when Luke and Brunson are on the floor and he's out there running point. We need you to do your thing. And I'm going to be honest. If we get like two threes from Frank Nilakina, like. I'm glad way, you brought him up. The way he's playing defense on, on book and CP3, man. If he can give us anything offensively as far as like open shots. Oh, man. It, it's it's going to be a good night for us. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I'm, Jalen Brunson, I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the fact that you, uh, you said you don't think he's the lock, you know, um, and even bringing up Spencer Dinwiddie because after the trade, Spencer Dinwiddie was phenomenal for y'all. Yeah. Like, to the point where, you know, I saw people questioning, like, has he made Brunson expendable, do y'all, and not necessarily need to to extend him or, like, resign him at that point. I and was one of those people. <laughs> to get to the playoffs and for Dinwiddie's impact to – fall off as severely as it has is you know calling some questions into you know off-season decisions with with him but Jalen Brunson is the is the guy that the off-season for y'all will probably oh, uh center around because the question of what what contract to bring him back on you know I think I've I've seen some Mavericks fans uh you know a bit divided on on Jalen Brunson but what's your what's your stance on him um before this season started, like, obviously, everyone, Mavs fans, even outside of that, people were saying, man, Luka needs another ball handler. Like, he needs a secondary scoring option. And I kept saying, that guy can be Jalen Brunson. Like, I had that faith in him. Uh, And when he started hooping this year, coming off the bench, and then Coach Kidd started him, we saw that. But my issue always was, man, when Luka's not playing, Jalen Brunson can put up 20 points. When he's next to Luca, he's putting up like 16 points and, and 15 points, and that's not going to be enough. And then when Spencer came and Spencer was hooping, 
was looking better than Brunson. I'm like, man, maybe we don't need to sign Brunson back. Then the honeymoon phase like went away with Dinwiddie. And then the Utah Jazz series came. And Brunson said, I bet. <laughs> like, after that series, I was like, pay the man $25 million. I don't care. Uh, he struggled a bit against Phoenix the first two games. But I think now I feel more comfortable paying him because he was able to bounce back from that. Like, he has contributed these past few games. So, Brunson, uh, it's a no-brainer. You have to bring him back unless you have, like, a sign-and-trade orchestrated for somebody like Zach Levine, which, um, ding-dong, that ain't going to happen. So, yeah, bring back Jalen Brunson. Like, unless you're trading Jalen Brunson for, like, a Pascal Siakam, which, again, ain't going to happen. You bring back Jalen Brunson, and if it works out, you keep him. If you flip him for something else during the season, so be it. But you have no option but to pay the man. He's earned it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him back on the team, and it's clear that with the Porzingis trade, they've opened up flexibility to make moves in other areas of the roster. Uh, you're bringing back Jalen Brunson after what's looked like a phenomenal playoffs. And, you know, maybe Spencer Dinwiddie's the, now, now the guy who's a bit more expendable and you might find a trade partner for him to get like uh, another big Dwight Powell, you know, the trade rumors have been persisting and hopefully you, you find, uh, you know, somebody that's a taker for him. Man, uh, you know, I would like to keep the White Powell. Oh, I just need the White Powell off the bench and not starting. I think he's much better off the bench. He's He can be a very good center off the bench. He's just him being our starting center is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we could go get a Miles Turner, man, somehow, some way. Who was spotted at the game, too. Right. You know, tech, he's, he a Texas boy, you know. Maybe a trade involving Dinwiddie, because I think their contracts aren't too far off as far as salary goes. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that's if they even trade Dinwiddie, but you know, he is going to be expendable. It was a reason they split up the Chris Dodds Porzingis contract. So maybe yeah. he's on the move this offseason. Maybe Bertans as well. We'll see. Uh, maybe the Mavs don't make too many moves at all. But uh, center is definitely like uh, a, a, a big need. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing with Dinwiddie is the luxury we have with Dinwiddie is we have Brunson and Luka, but we also have that third guy who can handle the ball and that's a big luxury to have you trade them with for a guy like miles turner you don't have that anymore mm-hmm. and it, i don't know where you get that from because another guy that could be on the move this offseason tim hardaway jr it's very yeah. possible even yeah. forgot about him man he would he would yeah. be so much help in this series oh man i would have he would have been I can't even believe I'm saying this because I'm not a huge THJ <laughs> fan but it's like we really could have used him um, it, it sucks because he played so well and earned that new contract with the Mavericks but he doesn't really fit much into this Jason Kidd system um, That that's kind of been showing and him linking back up with Rick Carlisle in Indiana in a Miles Turner trade might make sense especially since they're trying to move Buddy Hill possibly so you know, uh, it's it's a lot of possibilities, man. The Mavs got flexibility. They they just need to execute on it. Can I offer you a different point guard, though? Because... No, you cannot. 
because <laughs> my Lakers are, you know, nah. we have a, a all star. <laughs> we looking to move. He's he's available. He could be had for uh for a Hardaway Junior and uh Bertans. We need some shooting. I already knew. I already knew where you were going with it when you said a point guard. I said, yeah. no, you cannot. <laughs> I had to at least try to get that out, but keep yeah, him I... <laughs> far away from a team with Luka Doncic. I'm I'm already knowing there's no way Mark Cuban of, of all people is gonna make that move. So absolutely not. My my eyes are on hopefully a, a Charlotte or Indiana is in no, that I might regard, keep him, man. That, that's and man, I'm a little conflicted because to be honest, uh, I'm a huge Russ fan. Like I was a Russ Me fan too. before before I even became a Lakers fan. I really I really only became a Lakers fan when LeBron got over there. But right. you know I I'm really a Russ fan. I recognize the areas where it's like his utilization on the team was wrong, but at the same time, he he did not play very well. So yeah, he didn't. He did. So it's just kind of a mixed bag. But we do not have to talk about the Lakers. We're talking about you know actually good teams and and playoff basketball. And um, let's let's get into CP three a little bit just on the on the Sun side of this series because man, since since his birthday, he has he has not played <laughs> not played well at all. Like he fouled out in uh, what was the yeah. game five that he fouled mm-hmm. out, um, and just his his averages like raw averages since uh his birthday in that game five it's what is let me see here oh i'm on the wrong tab and i had this pulled up and everything i was supposed to be all ready (laughs) (laughs) okay so four games he's averaging four and a half turnovers to six assists nine points it's an efficient nine points you know 50 percent uh field goal uh 50, 54% three-point percentage on, on three attempts. So, you know, he's still making shots, but no free throw attempts, really. He's averaging 0.5 free throw attempts in those four games. So it's like you're, you're really not getting the typical Chris Paul impact lately. And, you know, I think that's had a lot to do with uh, the way that, like, the Mavericks are going at him offensively and yeah. it's wearing him down. And defensively, I also think they're doing a, uh, you know, a decent job guarding him and making him uncomfortable, not letting him get to his spots as easily as easily as he was earlier in the series. I saw a stat on Twitter. I don't know if it's real. It doesn't seem real, but oh my God, it said Devin Booker and Chris Paul are combined like three for like 40 something on shots when defended by Frank Nilekina. Oof. I don't know how real that is. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's no way for me to check. But if that's true, man, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact Chris Paul is my favorite player of all time. Uh, Luka Doncic is my second favorite player in the league after Chris Paul. I love Chris Paul. I've defended Chris Paul. But Chris Paul is old now. Like, he's not New Orleans Chris Paul. He's not Clippers Chris Paul. He He's not he's six foot tall pop maybe because i still think they lie about his height uh he's six foot tall he's like 36 years old he can't give you that load offensively that he used to we saw that when devin booker went down against the pelicans yeah he had that 14 for 14 game but that's an anomaly like that was just amazing you're not gonna get that all the time so making him work on both ends of the court to the point where when that fourth quarter comes and he's gassed and he can't take you home, the only person they got is Devin Booker because no one else on that team can create their own shot outside of those two. I'm I'm glad you said those specific words because 
that has always been my issue with DeAndre Ayton, who's supposed to be like the third guy in yeah. all of this. And this was my issue with him going into last playoffs. So when, you know, a lot of people are a lot higher on DeAndre Ayton than, than I was. And I've had, I've come around on him a lot more. But my issue has been like, you know, while I think he's a fantastic, uh, you know, player, he's developed himself offensively a lot and defensively, you know, bounds and bounds of improvement since he was a rookie. But at the same time, like, I feel like his impact does not really come necessarily from, like, him generating anything. It's a lot of the time, like, Chris Paul is finding him in really good spots. Like, and he's rebounding. He, he does that very well. He's a really good screen setter. But at the same time, like, if, if his guards aren't, like, on point and really getting him in his spots – like he's not somebody who's going to back someone down and get really good post positioning. Like he'll take the ball and he'll, he wants to put up a hook almost as soon as he gets it. So, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's my issue with him where I felt like, uh, I, I kind of see why the Suns are hesitant to give him a max. Like I don't necessarily like think objectively he is a max player, but you know, we're just kind of NBA economics. You got to give him that contract. And I think this season, like uh, this series with Chris Paul sort of diminished, with campaign having like fallen off, like out of the rotation at this point, um, they don't really have that guard to just truly unlock Aiden the way he was unlocked during their last year's run. And that's, that's, that's showing like, cause he should be able to go at the Mavs small lineup in a way like that you haven't felt. Yeah. When I was talking about it before, um, before the series started, I was telling everybody if Aiden is aggressive, we are cooked, mm-hmm. but I have, no reason to think he will be because he never really is like he's more skilled than a Rudy Gobert but it's like I've seen us defend centers very well this season like we were six in opposing centers points per game during the season and we're like a really small team so we do a great job team defending centers like obviously guys like Embiid and Jokic are gonna get their stuff off like you, you cannot stop that but Aiden ain't in that class he ain't even close so it's like he could be if if he put more aggressiveness and assertiveness in on offense, but he hasn't done that so far, and I have no reason to believe he's going to start now. Like, after that first game, he played great that game. Dude couldn't miss. Game two, kind of the same thing. After that, it's nothing. Not I wouldn't say he's a non-factor because he's the only one that really played well in that last game, but it's like, Usually when you get an Aiton game, you're not getting much from anybody else. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about Aiton. As long as we continue to do what we're doing against Chris Paul and all we have to do is focus on Devin Booker and Jay Crowder doesn't shoot like primary Allen, I think we'll be fine. But please, just give me Scott Foster. <laughs> yeah, I think like this to summarize Aiton, I think like he's a really nice, he, he's got really good motor. Right. You know, as a metaphor, I describe him as like some really nice engine. I don't know cars well enough to, to name you some really nice engine. But at the same time, he's an engine that you sometimes need to jumpstart, you know. And with Chris Paul not performing at, at, you know, the level that we typically want or expect from him right now, like that jumpstart's not coming right now. And so it's kind of all falling on Devin Booker to be that shot maker. And Luca can go tip for tat if not beat Devin Booker at that. So, you know, like who else is showing up? Like Mikael Bridges has to be doing more. Cam Johnson needs to be doing more. And 
that's why Phoenix was kind of predicted to win this series because they they do have more depth. They do have like more guys that I think I'd rely on as far as like scoring options, as far as their offensive system. But the Mavericks chance in this series was always the fact that they had the best player in the series. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't know if you saw the tweet that I put out a while ago, but I was like, I told my dad that the Mavericks had the best player in the series. And he said, no, they don't I'm like what you talking about. He's trying to tell me Devin Booker was better than Luca. And I'm like, bro, come on. Like you, my dad, I love you, but let, let's not get ugly in here. but i mean shout out to devin booker devin booker is an amazing player uh suns fans are kind of annoying but i'm done talking about i I don't even want to get into that man as as someone who you know my team went through a series with the suns last i know they're they're pretty annoying so i'm right there with you they talk like they're like they've been winning for a long time man like like they the Shaq and kobe lakers or they the golden state warriors it's like bro Y'all were irrelevant for an entire decade before last year. Like, yeah. Humble yourself. You ain't like, won nothing. I, I hate to do the injury thing because, like, that's that's such a huge what if. But I saw the tweets during the series where, where Anthony Davis was playing. Like, I saw the tweets when they got us as their opponent. Like, there was a lot of concern. And Anthony Davis goes down. And, you know, granted, I think the Lakers still had enough to have won that series after he goes down. Monty Williams absolutely outcoached the Lakers. Uh, the, the Suns out-efforted the Lakers. But, you know, let's not act like it wasn't a different series when Anthony Davis was playing because the tweets look different. A hundred percent. I hear that. And it's like even now when the Suns was up 2-0, they was talking mad trash. But now that it's a game seven, they're like, oh, it's rigged, such yep. and such. I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. save it. Keep that same energy. I, I need y'all to be just as confident as you were when you were up 2-0. I need to see it tomorrow on the timeline. But, you know, I, I, I'm ready, man. I, I, I just want to say I'm going to be unbearable on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the timeline's going to be a war. I'm going to be right there with you retweeting everything <laughs> at the Mavericks when this, man. Man, I changed my name on Twitter to Petty Reese, strictly for Suns fans. Mm-hmm. I have an Avi saved in my phone ready if – we win this game tomorrow and Suns fans are going to curse my name. If we win tomorrow, I promise you, like if, if we lose, I get them credit, give them props, mm-hmm. you know, but if we win, I'm going to be toxic. I promise you, man, I'm looking forward to things getting petty. So you know, to, <laughs> as a final summary, it looks like, you know, I think we both have the bucks and the Mavericks winning tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, objectively, I went into this saying Suns and six, but when it comes to game seven, ain't no such thing as subjective. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's one game. You just got to win one game at this point. So I, all like, of that, you know, better team, better, yeah. whatever. At the, we just need to win one game. Like, especially with me doing podcasts and stuff, I try to be objective and not be a homer. Mm-hmm. Well, not a homer. Cause I'm not from Texas, but still like, you know, not try not to be biased, but nah, game seven, we got the best play on the court. I'm taking my team every time. So, Taking the Mavericks, taking the Bucks. I'm a Steph versus Luca in the Western Conference Finals would be amazing. But you know, I, I'm nervous, but I'm excited, man. I can't wait. I, I'm really hoping that there are some fantastic games, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. That's you know, all I got to say. Yeah, I hope our game not a blowout because if we've been Oof. honest, none of these games have been yeah. exciting in this mm-hmm. seven game series. So. Hopefully we get our first one. If it's a blowout, I hope we're blowing them out. But I don't Man. see that happening. 
Yeah, I do. I do not want any blowouts because I'm gonna have to turn games off. And I'm really, I really want to be sit sitting like on the edge of my seat, like wrapped right there yeah. at the TV. So I'm, I'm hoping for that kind of experience tomorrow. Yeah, I want that, even though I know it's gonna like stress me out, but I mm. need it. Yeah, I feel that. Well, you know, I'm not gonna take too much more of your time. I really, I really do appreciate you uh, coming in and you know featuring on the show with me. Um, you know, it's it's a new show, so you know you didn't have to accept this as a guest. So I appreciate that you coming through. So I'm gonna give you the floor if if you got anything coming out. Uh, you know, officially give people all the links where they can find your stuff. Uh, well, you know, first of all, you know, I, I'm not too big to come. I'm not. A, I don't consider myself big at all. So. I'm not opposed to coming on anybody's show. That's for anybody out there. Obviously, I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody wants me to come on. Look, I remember when I first started my podcast. Um, are you familiar with the um, Through the Wire podcast? Yeah. Yeah. When I first started my podcast, you know, I was a big fan of them. I reached out to Pierre. Uh, just sent him a DM. And he came on. And, like, he's way bigger than I am, period. So it's like for somebody to have that kind of humility to do that for me, it it would be wrong for me to deny that of other people. So, you know, and me and him built like a friendship out of it. So it's like, you know, if I could do that for anybody else, plus I just love talking hoops. So it's like, if I get a chance to, why not? But uh, like I said, Mavs outside his part dropped today. Uh, Check that out. Um, you can look forward to one tomorrow night or Monday morning, most likely when it will be released. Uh, I have another podcast, my mind of Reese podcast that I do with my friends, Jerron and Derek. It's basically just homie talk. Uh, that'll be going out tomorrow morning. And I think that's it. I don't really have much else going on right now. Uh, the YouTube has been at a halt. I'll get back to it eventually. Uh, gotta figure some things out, but, uh, as of now, that's all I got going on. Go okay. Mavs, man. I'm ready. Absolutely. If you're watching, you know, or, or listening um, on podcast form, absolutely appreciate you tuning in. Do me a favor and go support Reese on all platforms, everything that he's doing. Uh, you're definitely going to want to listen to his like post game recaps of what happens in game seven. So, you know, make sure you're following and, and tuned into him for all of that. Uh, my name is Dolos, um, and this has been the Highlight Basketball Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in and enjoy the rest of your night. Peace.